Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, Kitchen Chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, here on webtalkradio.net, and I am just so delighted you are stopping by my kitchen today, and we have a delightful, delightful guest I can't wait for you to meet. She's known as the gluten-free girl, Shauna Ahern, and her um, husband, Chef Daniel, uh, is not on the phone, but is definitely part of this This special interview as well. And we're going to talk about their cookbook that has just been released and also about gluten-free eating. And um, this just seems to be such a new trend with all the different um, illnesses that have been diagnosed that that cause people to go on a gluten-free diet. So I am just so delighted. And and Shauna, welcome to Kitchen Chat. Well, thank you so much. And of course, the kitchen is my favorite room of the house. So it's exciting to be here. Oh, this is great. Definitely the heart of the home and the heart of the world. So Mm -hmm. this is fun. And I'm sitting right here in my kitchen as we chat. And there's so much to learn about gluten-free and and so much to talk about today. Um, First of all, if we can just go over a few of the basics uh, for those listeners who might not really be aware of what gluten is and mm-hmm. um, how it, it impacts uh, the system and makes sure. some foods just intolerable to, to the system. So what, in a quick nutshell, what is gluten? Sure. Gluten is, um, it's kind of the glue. There's a reason they come from the same word. It's, a, it's the glue that holds together wheat, rye, barley, and a bunch of different ancient grains like einkorn and triticale and spelt, which are a little easier to avoid in this culture. Um, it's an elastic protein, and I will say it's what makes um, people able to throw traditional pizza dough into the air and stretch it. It's what uh-huh. gives the um, air in a, a really great baguette. Um, and it, it makes me terribly sick, <laughs> along with millions of other people in America. Well, and, and you have, is it called celiac? Is that what I you just celiac which is um, an autoimmune disorder, and so my body reads gluten as a toxin, and as soon as as little as half a teaspoon gets into my system, the autoimmune response starts, and it starts to attack the small intestines, and I am sick for three to five days from half a teaspoon. Oh, that that is such a challenge. And did this come up later in life? I mean, not that you're old, you're young, but I mean, did it come up? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm 46, so I'm not no spring chicken anymore. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 39 years old, so quite late, actually. That's pretty typical. In fact, in America, you know, one out of 100 people in America has celiac, or one out of 133, as sometimes says. Um, so that's a lot of people, but yes. it, it takes on average 10 years for people to get diagnosed with celiac. The medical community simply didn't understand it for a long time, thought it was a really rare disease, that it was mostly in childhood, and that one in 5,000 people had it. And it's just in the last 10 years or so that they started to really open themselves up, doctors and medical schools in particular, and they're teaching doctors-to-be in a different way. So that's part of the reason why you're seeing this huge rise in people who are gluten-free, 
not so much because it's a trend, but because people are finally getting diagnosed and feeling well for the first time in their lives. Wow. And I love how you have turned something, you know, that's been negative in your life into something mm. positive mm. and something that is really reaching out to this community who, mm. you know, people love to eat and love to cook. But, you know, with gluten, finding a gluten-free diet and gluten-free recipes, it can be a challenge. So it's mm. so exciting that you now have your second cookbook out. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about that, your first cookbook was Gluten-Free Girl and the Chef, and I understand that was a New York Times, uh, voted New York Times Best Cookbook for 2010, and and that is wonderful, and this new book, uh, Gluten, um, what is it, Gluten-Free Girl Every Day, has 120 recipes for Mm -hmm. busy people who still love to cook, and I love that, and it has just been fascinating. I just feel like you have welcomed everyone into your kitchen. In fact, listeners, I have to share the opening uh, line of of her book, Welcome to Our Kitchen. Come on in. We're making grilled anchovies with avocado and ginger scallion sauce. (laughs) See the five kids over there at the table? They're shaping the sticky rice into little boats. Yep, there's rice all over the floor. We'll get that later. (laughs) I just love that. I can just... and envision your your kitchen there in your home and and I understand you live on an island if we can mm-hmm. can talk about that and then and then the book but I just think that's so interesting you're on an island we do we live in an island off of Seattle it's called Vashon and geographically it's you know it's in size wise it's the same length as Manhattan Island uh, it's two miles wider, and there are barely ten thousand of us here. So <laughs> we live in we live now in rural small town America, and we absolutely adore it. It's a it's a crazy lovely place, um, and it's you know in the Pacific Northwest we're blessed with a lot of uh, things like blackberries and salmon and salmon berries, and um, we go gooey duck hunting and clam hunting. It's a it's a place where people really love food. So on the island where we live, you know people know what we do, and we're sort of you know known for that. But we're nothing special. <laughs> oh, well, you are. And I, I'm so glad you brought up, and I thought it was geoduck hunting, but it's gooey yeah. duck hunting. It's gooey what duck. What is the, that? What strangest, in the world is that? It's one of the strangest beings in the world. Um, it is an enormous clam, but it has a very particular shape. It's long and, well, you know, people like to make jokes about the way it looks. Um, and, but there's, <laughs> they are actually delicious. But, uh, you know, it's always as certain foods strike me, I look at it and think, who was the first one that said, let's eat that thing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And I didn't even check. Is there um, a recipe for gooey duck? No, we don't have any gooey duck in this recipe. (laughs) You know what? Our first book was, um, you know, a real love letter to food and a love letter. You know, my husband and I met and fell in love. He's a professional chef. So it was really a love letter to him and to chefs and to people who truly love food. This second book is still for people who love food. You know, if you're a beginning cook, I think that any of these recipes are tackleable. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are brand new to to cooking and food, and they just want to have, like, four ingredients and have it take five minutes, and that's not the food. This really is for people who love to cook and love food. Um, But it's very much an everyday book because what we realized is our first book was, 
you know, we, Danny was a chef in a restaurant. He didn't get home till 1130. We had our dinner at midnight together. Um, that all changed once we had a child. Yes. <laughs> um, and so this is intended very much to be an offering from us of the food that we love based on getting a, getting food on the table right now with, for a hungry child who loves to eat but right. definitely needs to eat right now. So it's, it's um, much more um, – it, it wouldn't have gooey duck recipes in it because it's, <laughs> it's meant to be – most of the recipes involve ingredients you can get in any grocery store in America – um, with a few things you need to order online, like certain spices. But right. we're very lucky in America now to have so many foods at our disposal. And it's, um, it's a book for everyone, hopefully. Exactly. And I can't wait to dive into this book. But at first, mm-hmm. I just want to hear a little bit more about your life on the island. Yeah. It's just yeah. fascinating. Oh, yeah. I read that you were part of a goat cheese CSA. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> We live in a very wacky place. Um, there is a, a, a woman here who has a, a small farm, and she has about 15 goats, and she makes goat cheese. And so you put your name on the list, and when there is fresh, soft goat cheese ready, she emails you, and you drive to her house, and she's got a refrigerator on the porch, and you leave cash in the jar, and you pick up your goat cheese. I love that. Oh, that's fun. Oh, this this should be a reality show. I mean, <laughs> Oh, God, no. No, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. There was a piece in the, um, you know, it's a, Vashon has a lot of artists, and it's a, it's only a 15-minute ferry ride from Seattle, but it feels like a long way away. So okay. there was a piece in the New York Times last year about Vashon where the writer said it's kind of like Mayberry meets Burning Man, and that's pretty accurate. <laughs> That is great. Oh, what a fun, fun life. And and with your daughter, too. And also, um, and I'm going to get a link on the the site, listeners, but um, glutengirl.com is... Glutenfreegirl.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Glutenfreegirl.com is the website. And um, what is really neat, too, and I love this, you just write from your heart and share stories from your heart and from the kitchen on your blog. And and one thing, and and, it, and I am going to tie this into gluten-free, I promise, but mm. I, I just was so struck that, you know, yesterday's blog was about mm. how you got a call from the police and they had found your car, which had been right. stolen. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Bless your heart. Oh, uh, well, you know. <laughs> We were, we were on a trip down to the Bay Area to make appearances and teach some cooking classes and also just have a road trip before all the books came out and all the loveliness started. Um, and on our way home in Eugene, Oregon, we woke up in the hotel the next morning and our car had been stolen, which was a very strange, surreal experience. But we were lucky enough that our daughter, who's four and a half and is another joy, was in the room with us when we discovered it. And... Uh, you know, Danny and I sort of just rolled this way. We looked at each other, and we just looked at her and said, Hey, Lucy, guess what? It's another adventure. <laughs> Someone saw our car. I was so aware that she, you know, um, kids are so much a product of what, not only what we say, but how we say it. And so right. we decided to be calm and say, gosh, whoever is living a life where they feel like they need to steal a car must have a very right. sad and sorry life. So let's send out love to them. And maybe mm-hmm. that karma came back. The, the car came back, and pretty much yes. everything, like camera oh. and the computer, were gone. That's they're right. they're not going right. to be coming back. But um, and I actually took a copy of our cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping somebody gets some use out of it. <laughs> I love that, and I mean, I just think that the whole car 
um, theft is so symbolic of, mm-hmm. of who you are and what you are trying to convey that, yes, these unexpected, you know, bad things happen right. in life. But right. it's how you react and what you do. And so yeah. once you were diagnosed with this um, celiac and, and intolerance to, to gluten, here you have this wonderful resource. And, and I do want to, to jump into it because I think, and, and, you know, and I had never, you know, and I'm just coming up to speed about gluten-free and everything, I, I had never realized, um, you know, oh, my goodness, I thought it was just going to be, such a taboo of different things you can't really eat. But I love how on your blog um, you talk about uh, focus first on the foods that are naturally gluten-free. And you have a beautiful picture of a carrot salad. And and you go on to list, you know, some some delicious, delicious food um, that is available. So that's just a wonderful resource. And then I love how you have put together those recipes. And, you know, as my listeners know, I am the world's worst cook. (laughs) But uh, But you love food, so that's all that matters. I love food and I love to talk to cookbook authors and chefs and and, uh, all of that. But but I just love how, you know, you you make it um, doable. I guess Thank if that you. sounds right. Thank you. And um, these these recipes, and, and and it was so fascinating. I did not realize, and um, I I tried to do two recipes from here, and and um, the quinoa. I did not realize, or not not quinoa. I'm sorry, the um, risotto. Right. I didn't realize you can make risotto from oatmeal. How did oh, you? Oh, isn't just- that wild? Isn't yes, it? it's so cool. Well, um, you know, it's fun because. One, I have a chef for a husband, and we one of the things we share in our daily conversation is we're just total geeks about food. We get really, really excited about what's coming in season and what we could play with. And for us, it's play. I mean, the, the tagline of our website is playing with our food because <laughs> that's what it feels like. We're little kids all the time about it. And so he makes a mean risotto. He makes a really great risotto having been a, a restaurant chef. And then we, when he is at home now, we start thinking, well, like, what about the technique of risotto? And we heard that somebody made oat risotto. We're like, go. And it's really wonderful. You know, you get that grain of the whole oats, but then it's softened and made creamy by the stirring with the chicken stock and good mushrooms and spinach. And you can throw some cheese in there, too, if you feel like it. Um, and it, it ends up being a really hearty whole grain dinner, which you never might have expected before. Yes. And, I mean, so did he just know that, oh, oatmeal would be a great substitute for the pasta. I mean, how did he, he was just, uh, well, with it and just... actually rice in the first place, which is kind of, there's a, oh. there's a kind of a rice, it's arboreo that releases oh. um, its creamy starchiness. So what mm-hmm. we, we played with a lot, like what else is super starchy? What has a similar starchiness as rice and oats happens to be one of them. And it's, it's one of my favorite meals now. And what, you know what? And this is just such a great substitute. I love that. Um, mm. Another one was the the caramelized onion soup. And I, and I have to mm. give full disclosure, my friend um, who is a wonderful <laughs> cook, she was definitely working with this, you know, too, <laughs> so I wouldn't mm. catch anything on fire. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, good you have friends like that. That's excellent. <laughs> I do, yes. So she is on this culinary journey with me. And, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, yes, it was so yummy. The caramelized uh, four onion soup. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. Right. Yes. And you we're are so still- glad. 
And well, that's what, that's one of the things that we do that's now daily and every day for us. may not be for people, but that's what we hope to offer to them is, you know, if you just if you just put a little time in ahead of time, like make a big pot of caramelized onions, they actually freeze really well. So you can make a big pot of caramelized onions, which are just full of this huge, rich, deep flavor, and then you can put them in a freezer-safe container, and when you want to make a soup, a pasta, anything where you want a, like a depth of flavor, you can just scoop out a tablespoonful of the frozen caramelized onions, or a couple more of them, and yes. throw them into the skillet, and they, they melt, and they thaw, and that deep, deep flavor gets into whatever you're cooking. And that's great to know that, that it freezes. I never would have thought mm-hmm. that caramelized onions can, can freeze. Now, now, do you do a lot of freezing yourself, uh, you know, in terms of the foods when they're in season and making sure, mm-hmm. you know, since you're on an island? And if, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. We actually, and for this book in particular, we worked with a lot of, um, you know, trying to think about, you know, how people cook we're obviously cooking all the time. We cook every right. day. Um, and so we don't at all claim that we have a typical food life, but we certainly have lots of friends and family who do who are our consultants for this book. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we would go to our friends for this re- recipes in this book and say, would you make this on a weeknight? And they would sometimes say, yeah, or they would say, there are way too many ingredients for me to make that on a weeknight. We're like, okay, how can we make it so that you can make it ahead? How can you freeze parts of it? And that, all of that wisdom kind of went into this book. And and that is great. And that supplemented with the wisdom and great resources on your website, uh, mm-hmm. glutenfreegirl.com, is just great because you're like, it's a scavenger hunt in terms of, you mentioned places to check for gluten, you know, mm-hmm. yogurt. I never knew about that. You know, even Ooh, sports. You know, right? sports well, one, of the, yeah. one, of the good, uh, one of the good things to think about there is the more processed the food is, the more likely it is to have gluten. Okay. So it's actually a call for us those of us who have to be gluten-free to eat whole unprocessed foods, which is only good for you. Right. Um, and I end up shopping around the perimeters of the grocery store, the way every nutritionist recommends, and celebrating the foods that are themselves. So if right. you think about gluten-free, people tend to try to latch onto baked goods, which makes sense. Your, your brain mm-hmm. goes there thinking, I'll never have those again. But most of us are eating good gluten-free meals without even knowing it. You know, if you make a great mm-hmm. roast chicken with mashed potatoes and um, wilted spinach, gluten-free. If you have peaches in season, that's gluten-free. If you eat um, a steak and have, um, you know, um, some rice and you have um, some asparagus, that's gluten-free. So if you just focus on those foods that you already love, and I recommend people make a list. You know, make a list of every food you love and the ones that don't have gluten in them. Keep that list on your refrigerator. Remind yourself what you can play with. That's great. And another thing, just to kind of bring it home, and I love this quote that you have. Um, this is on your website, and then we'll jump right back into your cookbook because oh, lots no of fun, fun things to go into that. But I love how you write, did you know that 90% of the serotonin produced in our bodies mm-hmm. is made in our intestines? If, mm-hmm. something is, if something is wrong in your gut, something is wrong in your mind. Right, <laughs> so right. we all have excuses now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's true. You know, a lot of people, myself included, in my 20s, I suffered from a lot of depression. And um, it all disappeared as soon as I stopped eating gluten. So um, that's one of the symptoms of celiac that is less reported than the digestive stuff. But it's definitely something that someone should look at. It's not a cure-all. It's not as if you go gluten-free, you're suddenly going to not have serious depression. But uh, so hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have written to me saying that they have felt their minds change as their bodies changed. 
That that is just so fascinating to hear. And do you know if it only refers to people, or can it also be applied to, you know, pets as well? I have a lot of people who I've heard from a lot of people who have taken their dogs and cats off of gluten free, off of gluten diets, and they've seen a remarkable change too. Okay. You know, for some beings, whether it's human or not, mm-hmm. for some of us, gluten is an inflammatory agent. So it inflames all kinds of different systems, and without it, our body seems to be able to quiet down. Well, that is just just amazing. This is just so much fun to hear all about gluten and and then just the the silver lining in terms of your food does not have to be boring um, just because, you know, it's gluten-free. And I love how the book is organized. It has the, um, what is it, the one... Hot Wonders, I guess it is, with some great, you know, easy-to-throw-in type of um, things to make and and also stir-fries and chicken and buffets. Um, What... If we could talk about which which one, and I know it's hard to say, oh, this is my favorite, but which one do you really seem to just go back to a lot and and get a lot of... um, yum-yums at the table or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because every chapter is meant to be a different strategy for getting dinner on the table, particularly if you're um, a parent with young children Mm -hmm. or if you're you're just busy. You know, it's really easy to make yourself a good, healthy meal, but to also repeat it over and over again, you know, a protein, a starch, a vegetable, and that kind of gets a little boring, right? So um, each each of these chapters is a different way to make dinner. Um, probably my favorite still is the breakfast for dinner chapter because when I was a kid, yeah. I just loved it when we had waffle for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we wanted part of the idea of this book is we want to show our daughter the world and how the rest of the world eats and not just in America. So we have you know, um, huevos rancheros, and we have um, in well the oat risotto, and then we also have. You know, different flavors, like we have Bear Bear Roasted Chicken in the chicken chapter. That mm-hmm. Bear Bear is actually the um, wonderful spice blend from Ethiopia. It's got all kinds of chilies and paprika, and it's red, and it's not too spicy, but it is full of flavor. So if you take, if you want to do a roasted chicken, you could do it with Bear Bear, which is Ethiopian. You could do it with Dukkha, which is North African. You could do it with smoked paprika, which is Spanish. And every time you're going to have a different roasted chicken, and every time it's going to feel like a different meal. And I'm so glad you brought up the spices because you mm. mentioned, and I love how it's just full disclosure here. You you like what is what is in my refrigerator? You know, if you mm. open it, this is what you'll find. The the mm. spices you can't live without. And and you'd mentioned that. And I cannot pronounce things very well. Berber, Berber, Berber. Yeah, Berber is it's um, actually a spice blend from Ethiopia. And as is true, is you know every house makes it sli- every household, excuse me, makes it slightly differently. But we have our own Berber seasoning in the book, which we offer. And mm-hmm. I'm flipping to that page right now, actually, to remind myself what's in it. Um, <laughs> we have um, fenugreek, which is not a spice that most people use, but it's it's a very, um, it's almost redolent of maple syrup, strangely enough, uh-huh. and they use it all through Ethiopian cuisine. Fenugreek, coriander, black peppercorns, cardamom, chilies, smoked paprika, dried basil, ginger, and cinnamon. So it is like a really wonderful blend of slightly spicy, sweet, sort of like haunting mystery of what the heck is fenugreek. And, you, you know, for not very much money, you can make yourself enough to use it all year long. It just makes everything tastes better. So the preparations in this cookbook are meant to be much simpler than our last book, but the mm-hmm. spices keep things interesting. So even if you're yes. making the same meal, you're going to have a different meal. 
Right. It still has a gourmet flair without Mm -hmm. a a doubt. It really does. And, Mm -hmm. oh, I just want to gobble this up and maybe even try this. Uh, try attempt to cook it this weekend. Quinoa stuffed peppers. Mm, I love those. That yeah, Andy and I both grew up with you know the traditional stuffed peppers, which are great. Of you know, like a big meatball with rice and different things in the peppers. Both of our moms made those, and we loved them. But um, one of the things that we found um, having a child in our lives and sort of our palates have changed is that we are still meat eaters, but we don't. We don't make every meal about meat. You know, I, I, we realize, and I wrote about it in the book, mm-hmm. meat is always in season. You know, you can always get a steak at the store. But what is different and interesting to us is what's changing. So right now it's spring, so it's fava beans and it's peas and it's asparagus. Oh, finally, asparagus. Yes. <laughs> um, so we actually base our meals around vegetables, and then the meat is sort of added in as a condiment as opposed to just like, okay, we're having steak, and then let's, well, what side are we going to have about that? Oh, well, that is an interesting one. So you, you plan the side, and then you decide on the protein. Well, it may not even be a side. You know, like we've okay. got all kinds of, we've got a, a lot of vegetarian recipes in here. That's true, yes. We also have carnitas, and we have a meat recipe. So it's not like, mm-hmm. it's, not like it's a completely vegetarian book. But, we, right. you know, right. we, um, like, for example, in the pasta uh, section, mm-hmm. we, our daughter will eat anything as long as it's attached to pasta. And it's easy to find good gluten-free pasta that's out there. Our favorite brand is Jovial which is okay. from Italy, made from brown Ooh. rice. It's organic. It's fantastic. Nobody can tell Ooh. that it's great. So we realized with her early on that if we put it in pasta, right. <laughs> even at two, she'd eat sunchokes and sunflower seeds and, you know, wilted greens as long as it's attached to noodles. So we have a whole chapter wow. of pasta, and one of them is zucchini noodles. You can actually make pasta out of zucchini if you, if you shave it down. Um, and we put spinach, pesto, and feta, and sunflower seeds in that, put it in a bowl, looks like a big bowl of pasta, but it's a great way in August when you've got so many zucchini you can't even handle anymore to just make yourself a quick dinner without turning on the stove. Oh, that does sound great. Now, do you have a garden, or do you go um, to farms to, to get the produce? Both. We have a garden, and I'm not very good at it, but I'm learning every year. <laughs> hey, don't, don't worry about that. I grew up in Southern California where there was nothing but dirt, so I am still learning. Oh. <laughs> but we have snap peas and um, kale and uh, lots of spinach, lettuce, broccoli. All those are all growing right now. Um, and in, in, in a couple of weeks, we'll plant all the summer things. Um, but we are really blessed with where we live. Part of the reason we live here is there are about a dozen you know, organic farms, small farms run by um, lovely people, and they have farm stands, so we just go mm-hmm. and buy what we need and put money into the coffee can on the trust system and, and take it home. <laughs> I love that. I love the whole story with the goat cheese. Mm, it's a <laughs> lovely place. That is so fun. That is so well, fun. Come visit sometime. It'd be great. I would love to. I, I really, really would love to, to go out there. I mean, it just sounds like, you know, it, it, and see, the Seattle area is quite the hub for for great food and, it of is. course, coffee as well. And, oh, uh, that too. Yeah, we need yeah. that in the week for a lot. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great. I interviewed a few weeks ago uh, Chef Tom Douglas, which oh, is really fun. Yeah, so that was really fun to, to hear about nice. that. So, so yes, um, although, you know, Chicago, where I, I am, and we definitely have a lot of food things going on, which is great. But I think Seattle is another, uh, definitely a, a big 
foodie capital, which is yeah, great. Yeah, well, Chicago <laughs> is, is darn fine, and we're hoping to get to Chicago this summer for the, oh, for the book. So um, I would love to eat in Chicago. It's a great place. But, yeah, we're very lucky in Seattle. Okay. We're, um, I think, you know, everyone jokes about the rain out here, which is true. And during the winter, mm-hmm. we don't get snow. We just get lots and lots <laughs> of gray skies. Um, mm-hmm. But by the time all that rain does make for very fertile ground. So by the time yes. spring and summer comes, we're just overwhelmed with the abundance. It's pretty darn amazing. Oh, that is great. And I can't wait to connect when you're in Chicago. And yeah. which, which reminds me, so you were on the road with the book. So what are some of your upcoming um, stops on your book tour? Well, uh, these next few uh, weeks, we're going to be in Seattle and um, Portland and the entire Pacific Northwest region. And right. then we'll be in New York um, doing a week worth of, of promotion there. But actually, and this is, um, this is sort of the big secret, we're just about to launch a Kickstarter. Um, we're hoping that people will help us to come to their part of the country. It's very expensive to fund your own book tour, as you might imagine. I mean, we get lots and lots of people saying, come to Chicago, come to Kentucky. But we actually have the deal for our next cookbook, which we're really excited about, too. It's called American Classics Reinvented. And what it is, is we're going to take all of the kind of archetypal foods of that, you know, 10 regions of the United States. So, of course, Chicago deep dish pizza has got to be one yes. of them. Um, and we're going to go, and Danny will eat them. <laughs> and I will photograph him and interrogate him about them. And then we're going to come home and, and turn them all gluten-free and make them as fantastic as we can. Um, so we're actually launching a Kickstarter so people can help us come to their hometown, eat their food, meet the people who make their food, um, really get a sense of the place before we try to make that food for them. I love that. And now is there going to be a link on your website for those yeah. interested in the Kickstarter fund? That sounds yeah. like a blast. What we a hope, fun, hope <laughs> fun idea. This is great. But but meanwhile, oh, just the delicious array of options, of gluten-free options that you have in this new book, Gluten-Free Girl Every Day with Shauna Ahern and, and Chef Daniel, her husband. And one thing, I grew up in the South, so I got a real chuckle when I saw the chicken and waffles oh. and, the, and the buttermilk. We are pretty happy about that. You know, I have to tell you, one of the things that has been my big discovery the last seven years you know, when you're first going gluten-free, you think, oh, I'm always going to be a second-class citizen, you know. Oh. But the fact is, is that a lot of baked goods and foods are actually better without gluten. And mm-hmm. fried chicken is one of them. Fried chicken is so much crispier without gluten because if you think about gluten, it is what binds baked goods together. But there are certain things you don't want it for, like cake, you know. You want to, they always say, stir it until it's just combined. Don't overmix right. it. Right. Well, without gluten, you don't have to worry about it. So gluten-free cakes are fantastic. And gluten-free fried chicken, I think, is better than traditional chicken. Um, and in fact, Chef Thomas Geller yesterday, of course, of French Laundry fame, um, they have um, a wonderful gluten-free flour mix called Cup for Cup. And I saw in an interview that he is making fried chicken at Ad Hoc, one of his restaurants, with the gluten-free flour because he's like, we realize it's better gluten-free than it is for gluten. Wow, and I love that you actually have a recipe with pictures of how to make gluten-free flour. Right. This is very important. People really do. I mean, I, I'm such a geek. I love the eight bags of flowers, but most people don't have time for that, and most people get a little overwhelmed. So we realized before we started this book that people would really love it if we came up with a gluten-free all-purpose flour, which we did. And in the book, we have 
um, a gluten-free all-purpose flour mix and also a gluten-free whole grain mix if you would like Ooh. to get more of the good whole grains into your life, too. Right. Um, and uh, next week we'll actually have on our website a gluten-free gluten-free flour mix we've been working Ooh. on for a while, too. So there are lots of different options. And the key, and this is can throw people, is that you, you have to bake by weight. You get it gets in scale, and instead of thinking cups, you think 140 grams for every cup of oh. <laughs> all-purpose flour. And the reason is is that each of the gluten-free flours has a different density, a different weight, a different absorption rate. Um, we've done all that geeky science thinking for you. And so all you have to do to convert your grandmother's favorite recipe mm-hmm. is whenever you t- see one cup of gluten all-purpose flour, you substitute 140 grams of our gluten-free all-purpose mix. And um, also making it by weight means people can use the flours that they're able to use. We suggest three flours, but maybe someone has a problem with rice. Well, then you don't use that rice flour. You put potato starch in instead, and you just use the same weight. So we're trying to convince people to start baking by weight because it makes life so much easier. (laughs) And that is so interesting. And and I had a question because, you know, I'm new to the foodie stuff. Um, what What is millet flour? Millet is a really wonderful whole grain, and it's, you probably recognize it because it's in most commercial bird seed mixes. <laughs> it's little yellow balls, um, and so it, you know, it's becoming more ubiquitous, and it's a little more expensive, but at first it was super cheap because nobody wanted it. Um, and it is actually a really, really good whole grain. It's got lots of protein and iron, and it also has a slight nutty flavor. But like um, couscous, it is great because it takes up the flavors of what's around it, so you can make a millet tabbouleh and not have to miss couscous. So I guess if you uh, consume some millet, you'll be tweeting more. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah. I, need, I tweet enough as it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's actually the, the flour is in our all-purpose mix because we've found it just it has a neutral enough taste that um, it doesn't you know, overwhelm the way something like quinoa can. But it also has a slightly familiar taste. Like, so it's a little bit like corn, a little bit like nuts. So when tr- people try that flour, they don't think, ugh, what is this? They're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Right, right. You know, which brings me to one of the questions that came in from one of our listeners. Yeah. Um, and she asked, um, do ancient grains have gluten? Well, it depends on what you mean by ancient grains. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rice is an ancient grain, of course. It's been around okay. for thousands and thousands of years. Traditionally, what people mean by ancient grains is more ancient forms of wheat, like spelt, emmer, farro, einkorn. They do have gluten. They are lower in gluten than um, the wheat that has been hybridized over the last century to be higher and higher gluten. Um, That's part of the problem is that traditional AP flour is actually 40% higher in gluten than it was in 1950. We um, have been hybridizing uh, wheat so it, it has a higher and higher gluten content because Americans got sort of um, uh, stuck with uh, grocery store bread, which mm. I don't think is very good anyway, but grocery store bread, even the kind of whole grain one, it needs to stay on the shelves for a long time and have that structure, so you need more and more gluten for that. Um, so the sort of more ancient forms of wheat are lower in gluten. Someone who has a wheat allergy seems to be able to tolerate spelt, but someone like me who has celiac cannot possibly take it. 
Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, and one of my friend's daughter-in-laws has ha- Hashimoto mm-hmm. and was just diagnosed and is having to go on a gluten-free um, diet. So this is going to be a wonderful resource for, for her as well in terms of, of maintaining some great, great dishes and recipes um, and not lose the taste just because no, you're not at all. Right. I mean, I, I have eaten better in the last seven years than I ate the first 39 years of my life. That's the irony is everyone thinks, oh, gosh, I'll give up gluten. I'll, you know, what you give up is you give up convenience, and convenience hmm. is overrated. You know, it's hard to go into a typical coffee shop, airport, you know, think places where you want to grab food quickly. Right. It's hard, it's hard to get something that doesn't have gluten in it. It's getting a little easier, but it's still hard. But then when you realize is you're, you know, you're missing out on, like, the stuff you'd buy at a gas station on a road trip. You're, you're missing out on you're missing out on lousy food anyway. And, and it, I think it's a, a call to arms to cook, which is really one of the best things we can all do. Um, when we cook, we're not only making we know exactly what's going into our food. Mm-hmm. We're making it with love. We're making it for the people we love. And that's just there's no way anything in a box could ever compare to that anyway. You're right. We need to think outside of the box and play with our food. <laughs> and, 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 and let go of the notion if you're any good or bad. Because, you know, it's funny. People will write to me all the time. And, and as you just said, oh, I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> well, you're not. You're just a beginner. And so if you just keep going, nobody ever expects to be great at the violin the first time you pick it up. But for some reason, we think we should be good at cooking right away. It's a skill just like anything else. I know. Except the, somehow the fire department keeps having to come over. <laughs> We need a bigger vent for you. <laughs> oh, but I have learned not to put too much butter on a salmon when it's okay, in that's good. the oven. So that was my lesson there and embarrassing. There you go. But, oh, it, is, it is what it is. And, and you know, and I want to encourage those listeners, too. As everyone knows, you know, I just turned 51. And, you know, exactly. it's never, oh, thank you. And it's never too late to take on new hobbies and find new no. joys of life. And I'm no. really on this culinary quest, and I am so excited that, Shauna, you shared today about gluten-free cooking and just having that great taste, you know, without the gluten. So this has just been so much fun. And and listeners, I'm going to put a link to Shauna and, and her husband, Chef Daniel um, Ahern's um, website and new book. It is a fabulous book, Gluten-Free Girl Every Day. And wonderful photography as well and mm-hmm. great recipes and and really practical advice and good ideas so you know with with that um statistic you had mentioned shauna that one in what is it 133 people mm-hmm. um here in the u.s have have um you know gluten-free and intolerance this is a great resource for those loved ones and friends in your life that that just need some encouragement with recipes and you know, some great taste. So thank Mm. you so much, Shauna, for being here on Kitchen Chat. It's just been so delightful to to learn about gluten-free living from you. So thank you. Well, uh, thank you for having me in your kitchen. It's been delightful to talk with you anytime. 
Oh, fun. And, and we'll definitely see you in Chicago. I look forward to know. that. So listeners, check out her, her website and the new book, Gluten-Free Girl Every Day. And uh, let me know what your favorite gluten-free recipes are. I'd love, love to hear from you. So anyway, we have um, coming up next week uh, another guest, the Hungry Hound from ABC Chicago and uh, Steve Delinsky. So we're going to learn about his um, uh, latest adventures overseas and in the foodie world and also some restaurants here in Chicago. But meanwhile, I hope you will take a few moments, sit down, and remember to savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pearl Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you, so join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.